From beanies to carry bags and from shoes to caps, browse our shop now at tntradio.live. Clear and concise. This is the Tyler Nixon Show on today's News Talk TNT. Welcome to today's News Talk with uh, Tyler Nixon. This is the Tyler Nixon Show for February 16th, 2024. It is a Friday, TGIF, and uh, we have Pete Santilli on the show today. Pete is a broadcaster, a patriot warrior, someone who actually spent a good bit of a year in solitary confinement in federal prison when he worked with the uh, the Bundy Ranch people uh, to fight off the federal incursion, the FBI and the Bureau of Land Management were in there trying to take their land, trying to uh, to push them around and it became sort of a, a standoff really. And uh, Pete was someone who became intimately involved in that. Uh, he's also a broadcaster and he's got, uh, he's, he's really a rock ribbed Patriot, someone you, uh, you will definitely uh, enjoy listening to him. He's fired up. He, he I, I, on his show, I love it. He calls into the FBI, he calls into federal agencies and gets these people on the line. Unfortunately, they're usually the you know front line call takers and he just holds their feet to the fire and it's kind of it's, it's kind of amusing to hear him do it but uh so pete will be with us shortly and i have to say that this has been a banner week um the georgia case which probably concerned uh those of us who uh, are legal observers uh concerned us the most uh in terms of uh donald trump's jeopardy uh legal jeopardy uh, as far as lawfare being conducted against him uh because there's no ability. Let's just say that he, if he gets elected president, when he gets elected president, he can pardon himself for any of these uh, the lawfare uh, prosecutions he's facing under Jack Smith or any, any other federal uh, any other federal prosecutors who decide they want to try to take him on. Um, but the state courts, that's where he has problems uh, because obviously there's no uh, ability for uh, a you know federal officer to pardon any state uh, state crimes. Now, the New York case is kind of a joke, really. It's sort of very contrived. It was the first one rolled out by Alvin Bragg. And it's uh, and funny, funny how it suddenly kicks in as soon as uh, Georgia begins to implode. Um, but there's really not much there. Um, you know, I, obviously, I think the worst that's going to happen to uh, Donald Trump in New York is facing this Judge Angeron in the civil case, uh, which is uh, it's, it's really a civ- uh, seeking civil penalties that the Attorney General Letitia James is completely abusing her power. I mean, it is just it is bald faced persecution, uh, you know, partisan lawfare. And there's no two ways about it because Trump took out loans uh, and, and paid those loans back with, you know, all the interest and everybody involved with uh, any of these transactions walked away happy or walked away, at least made whole. There was no I mean, he didn't default on anything. He didn't uh, he didn't defraud anybody. But somehow she has concocted these cases saying that because of, I mean, uh, you know, accounting irregularities, whatever, that, that Trump uh, intentionally committed fraud and defrauded the people of New York with inflated values. I mean, it, it, the whole thing is it's, it's really sad that how how badly they have to not only scrape the bottom uh, in terms of dredging up uh, any type of uh, causes of action against Donald Trump, but the fact that they have to stretch the facts within even these uh, stretched legal cases or stretching the law and stretching the facts at the same time, uh, really grasping at straws. But Alvin Bragg's case, uh, you know, it's who's to say where it's going to go. I think Trump has actually a, a much better shot with a Manhattan jury than he does probably in Georgia. 
And uh, in the Georgia case, uh, well, if you watched any of the testimony yesterday, Fonnie Willis just, I mean, the word implode doesn't even begin to uh, to, to uh, describe the dimension of the, her meltdown on the stand for four hours. And this is following her uh, her cohort, her lover, her her whatever hired agent, as she called him, Nathan Wade, uh, who just doesn't seem like I mean, it amazes me. These people are prosecutors, it amazes me. They're attorneys because they are not very bright people. Um, I think he knew he was caught dead to rights, that he had lied um, in his divorce proceedings, whether it be on the affidavits or the inter- interrogatories that were posed. Uh, and that he was, in fact, maintaining a relationship with Fonnie Willis. And it went bef- it, it extended to before uh, before the uh, the uh, promulgation of this uh, this ridiculous and and probably one of the most egregious uh, bits of lawfare and persecution I've seen really since uh, since Roger Stone's uh, case, since I worked on uh, uh, the defense of Roger Stone, who was dragged into federal court in D.C. on just. I, it 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 was asinine to, for lack of a better term, um, and in this case though, it, it Fonnie Willis um, she deserves every bit uh, to go down in flames, uh, to be exposed as the corrupt uh, partisan just puppet or or uh, very uh, she's a nincompoop, frankly. I mean, she really is, and and the fact that she was elected to this position, which has holds such grave authority. Uh, the ability to destroy people's lives. I mean, merely prosecuting somebody on certain offenses. If you're not Donald Trump, I mean, you don't have, you know, he has billions of dollars at, and certainly huge, huge coffers at, at his disposal to pay attorney's fees to uh, to be able to uh, buck up to this. But, you know, if you're prosecuted wrongly or falsely in any case, um, this can destroy your life. You can lose your, your uh, livelihood, your profession. You can end up... Uh, Really, I mean, the, the, these prosecutors um, who, who view it as sort of like trying to put notches in their gun belt are, uh, in my view, a, a, they're very much a threat to public uh, public integrity and, and, and they threaten public safety and, and, and uh, freedom and liberty um, in what they do when they view it not as a quest for justice, but as a uh, sort of a career uh, building uh, quest or thrust for convictions. Um, you know, and and it's very sad. I mean, there's the prosecutorial misconduct, and I've said before that uh, the the corrupt prosecutor is probably a, 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 the worst criminal possible in the system, because a corrupt prosecutor miscarries justice, and in some cases denies the very possibility of justice. And these people have grave responsibilities that are put in their hands. That's why the uh, the an attorney ethics. There are absolutely additional strictures and uh, ethical requirements that are placed on prosecutors, whether it's by the uh, American Bar Association or in individual state uh, bar um, uh, codes of professional responsibility. And Fonnie Willis, I mean, she's elected. It's just it's one of these deals where there are certain positions I just don't think should be uh, subject to election. And it's not that I don't think that uh you know the people can make good choices or that, that uh, you know having uh, popular consent is a bad thing it's just that the way our politics are today and the people who are drawn to public offices who view them as 
creating a sinecure for themselves, creating a little fiefdom. They're ambitious. They don't want accountability. They see an easy path to a paycheck with, uh, how, without really having to work. They can BS their way. Uh, they, there's no, I mean, let's face it, the rough and tumble of politics, people lie. They'll say anything to get elected and they'll do anything to stay in office. This is not, these are not the character traits and these are not what you need in someone who is uh, supposed to be uh, conducting justice and supposed to be uh, uh, serving justice. I mean, and even more so with judges. But in this case, we have an elected uh, DA in Fannie Willis. And you look at what you get. I mean, behind you, you see these people stand up, you, you understand, and you know that they indicted Donald Trump and 19 other people, including attorneys. I mean, this really, to me, uh, this is, it's so dangerous to, uh, and, and look, as an attorney, I'm not defending, I'm not saying that if, if a, an attorney commits uh, criminal acts that they should be excused or that they should be somehow excluded from or given special treatment, no way whatsoever do I advocate that. But uh, when you're going after someone's counsel involved in a political matter, I mean, it's, there's certain, certain, certain thresholds, I think, with, uh, with regard to uh, maintaining prosecutions that you you have to begin to up the uh, the standard of scrutiny in terms of being skeptical as to what they're really about when you have certain thresholds, not least would be, okay, well, does it concern polit a political matter or a uh, you know matter of public policy or dispute? That raises the bar. Does it involve uh, election contests or actual participants or candidates involved in a head-to-head -head or someone who's running for office? That raises the bar. Um, you know, does it does it basically uh, implicate uh, questions of uh, one opponent who is uh, you know the people on one side of the equation are actually the it's not just a matter of the, the uh, substance of the case is political, but the fact that you have an actual uh, the adversarial divide breaks down by partisan lines, and that I mean really when you get to that level, uh, then you're really into the realm that. Uh, you're, you're tainting the justice system and, and you're, you're uh, risking doing injustice because we do not solve and resolve our uh, political disputes and our partisan disputes in courts. Uh, we do not abuse the courts for that purpose um, because the, you know, th there's so much, uh, there, there's an expectation that good faith is involved. And I hate to say it, in partisan warfare and partisan combat and, and political combat, Good faith often goes out the window. I mean, these you know, there's a lot of skullduggery. There's a lot of uh, uh, subversion. There's a lot of dirty tricks. And what we've seen, unfortunately, with lawfare generally, and lawfare being, in my opinion, the abuse of law and justice in our system uh, as a weapon, as a political weapon that's never been uh, it's never been used before. Not only does it obviously. Um, really skew and and distort the political field and and the uh you know the electoral field so meaning uh if you're using lawfare to knock your opponent out of the race is this really is this really a fair election is it really a fair uh means of political uh competition and then but worse and moreover uh you're infesting and infecting uh the judicial branch the uh, judiciary the justice system with political uh, making it acceptable to bring political disputes into these courts where juries, I mean, all you need to do is go to a jurisdiction where you have a stacked uh, population because juries are drawn from a local population, from the voter base, 
from uh, eligible voters, citizens. If you have a, a Washington, D.C., where literally, I mean, is 92 plus percent, I believe, uh, are Democrat uh, registrants in that city. Uh, I think only 6% of the, the city's population are registered Republican. And even those, probably half are what you would consider rhinos. So how can you possibly bring a politically uh, charged dispute involving politically charged uh, individuals? I mean, in Donald Trump, you don't get much more uh, uh, controversial than he is in terms of political uh, and partisan uh animus and uh just the nature of of bringing politics into all of it how can this man or any republican anymore get a fair trial when you're talking uh when you bring suits that that bring politics and political issues and policy issues into the courtroom and make of make uh, uh them into essentially legal issues or or you know issues to be tried and heard by a trier of fact and the trier of fact consists of, frankly, I mean, when I say it's 92% plus, that doesn't mean you get juries that are, uh, oh, one Republican out of 12, whatever it is, or, or as the case may be. No, you get no Republicans on the jury because the peremptory strikes uh, of the, uh, in the uh, trial, you have peremptory strikes where each side has a certain number of jurors they can strike just for no reason, for no cause, just because they want to. Well, I mean, if you even find a Republican, for example, in the District of Columbia uh, to uh, in, in the voir dire of a jury, you can guarantee that if you're uh, if you're a Republican on trial there, that the, the prosecution is going to knock that person right off. And this was the case in Roger Stone's trial, where literally every single person on that jury was a, a not just a Democrat, like, you know, just as old time, whatever, I'm registered. No, these were leftist ideological uh, you know, big government oriented, uh, NPR listening, uh, <laughs> Chardonnay swilling is, uh, as a white wine swilling as Roger would say, um, you know, MSNBC watching, uh, leftist Democrats. And unfortunately this is, I mean, this is abusive of justice. It's abusive of our justice system. And, uh, the Democrats, I guess, are so power crazy. They lust for their megalomania is so acute that they're actually willing to, uh, to destroy, to taint, and uh, to, uh, frankly, drag our justice system into the political, onto the political field and turn it into just another dirty weapon to be used uh, as needed. And look, I mean, I'm not having it. I mean, personally, I, I've, I believe that judges should be absolutely removed from politics to the extent it's possible. Um, you know, everybody has their beliefs, but I mean, when you, when you're a juror, when you're involved in the justice system, if you're willing to subvert that for your partisan ends, it's all over because there's no other, there's no other recourse. I mean, we really only have the justice system and our set of, on our, uh, body of laws to protect us from, uh, the, uh, capricious and arbitrary whims of a, a tyrant, a sovereign or whatever have you, or whoever controls that. Um, and it's been becoming very clear that there are people in this country um, who are, again, so intent on power, so uh, arrogant and assured of their uh, ideological righteousness, of their uh, the, the, the righteousness of their power, that they uh, don't care what is what what is sacrificed to that or, frankly, uh, what is uh, converted to, uh, to to convenient use for them, including, again, uh, what is supposed to be blind justice, you know, the balance of 
uh, fairness and equity and, and people giving, being given a fair shake, not, not on the basis of, uh, of their political identity or any other identity for that matter. Um, we've got to defend the judiciary. It is, um, you know, the, the independence of the judiciary or we, ha- we are lost because, uh, you know, once the, once that goes down, what's left? I mean, it, that's, you know, you're, you're back, you're back into the medieval, uh, era, uh, you're back into a sort of civil war. I mean, it's just, everything's going to be resolved by violence, um, and, and, uh, warfare. So, um, Pete Santilli is my guest, uh, for this, uh, the show today, and he's going to be joining us here shortly. You're watching the Tyler Nixon show here on today's news talk. I would like to point out that Julian Assange's, uh, uh hearing in the, uh, UK high court is coming up next week. Um, uh, around the 20th, 21st, and, and into the weekend, TNT is going to be covering that uh, round the clock if necessary. Um, Julian Assange faces uh, extradition to the United States, which would be a horrible fate for him. As I understand it, Australia has, uh, the parliament has passed a resolution uh, demanding essentially that uh, Assange be turned over to their, uh, to Australian uh, custody or, or returned to his home country. Uh, I don't know what's, I would hope that that was passed uh, for Assange's benefit so that he's not uh, turned over to the United States and to these, uh, the deep state um, hatchet people who have had the knives out for Assange for too long. But whatever the case, next uh, next week in the UK High Court of Justice, uh, TNT will be there with uh, coverage around the clock, as well as uh, interviews and um, opinions and uh, uh, uh uh, guests from around London. So you want to tune in for that. I will certainly be watching it uh, rapidly because uh, I think Assange is a hero. But uh, we will see. Uh, we are lighting the fuse for freedom here at uh, today's News Talk TNT. This is the Tyler Nixon Show, and we shall be back after these short commercial commercial messages. Uh, don't go away. TNT's Misty Winston. She says, how is anyone still talking about October 7th? What Israel has done since October 7th is many times worse than what happened on that day by any conceivable metric. The only way to feel otherwise is to believe Israeli lives are worth many times more than Palestinian lives. How is Israeli suffering still being centered over vastly less significant acts of violence three months ago, while exponentially worse violence and suffering is being inflicted by Israelis right this very moment? If your nation is attacked and you respond to that attack by immediately murdering thousands of children with incredible savagery, then you forfeit any right to expect anyone to give a shit that your nation was attacked. Israel responded to the Hamas attack by doing something much, much worse than anything Hamas has ever done. And in doing so, completely delegitimizing itself as a state and completely validating everything the Palestinian resistance has been saying about the state of Israel since day one. Misty Winston on today's News Talk TNT. In a democracy, the majority vote rules. But in most democracies, you can only vote for change every three or four years. To understand what people want, governments and political parties use focus groups. These focus groups can include as little as 20 people. Australia is a country of over 25 million people. Does making decisions based on 20 people sound fair to you? Have your say. Be heard in between elections. Download the 4MySay app now. That is number four, my say. Military families often sacrifice precious time away from loved ones while serving our country. And for those with children, the separation can be especially difficult. We were worried that with him leaving, that she would lose those connections with her dad. Some of life's best moments happen between parents, children, and the pages of a good book. 
United Through Reading provides that connection. You can watch your mom or dad read a book to you, and it almost feels like they're really there. We ensure they remain a consistent, meaningful part of their children's lives, no matter the distance. Just seeing Jacob recognize Daddy again after a long time just melted my heart. And now, as we're facing greater isolation from our loved ones, United Through Reading is also available to veterans. Learn more about United Through Reading and download our free secure app at unitedthroughreading.org. So many people who had no history of heart illnesses have got it now, or blood clotting after the COVID-19 vaccination. Punish those who hurt people with COVID madness. Lighting the fuse for freedom. TNT Radio. Welcome back to the Tyler Nixon Show. Um, my guest, Pete Santilli, is getting, uh, getting set up for, uh, for the show, and we're going to be interviewing him, talking about uh, his experiences, which are actually very, very... Uh, he's a Marine Corps veteran, so we, I relate to him on that level as an army infantry veteran. And, uh, he has, uh, I tell you, he's fearless and he, uh, he has taken on people who, uh, let's just say were, were of questionable, uh, loyalties. Um, and I'm not going to say, I, I'm not going to name names, but there are individuals who, uh, it came to light that they might not have been so might, might not have may have been playing both sides a little bit in the, in the sort of the, uh, the war between the, uh, the leftists and the, uh, the Trump people and the conservatives. And, uh, Pete is not one to sort of gloss over that. He, he will confront and get up in your face and, uh, and hold your feet to the fire. And I respect the hell out of him for that because it's not easy to do because, uh, there's people who, who, uh, sort of straddle the, the, uh, straddle both sides of the equation and they want to have it both ways. They want to, they want to, and, and if you dare question or challenge them on it, then suddenly, cause usually they, they have some level of stature. You're, you're a problem child. You're, you know, you're, you're a crank, you're a bug, you're, you're, you're a, someone who's, um, who can't be, we, you know, you're not reasonable. You, you can't be, you can't be uh, reasonable. We can't, we can't talk to you. You're, you're too, you're too much of a zealot. You're too extreme. Um, which is rhino talk, I would say, which is, uh, you know, sort of, uh, um, just trying to sashay around the reality, uh, that, you know, there are people who, who have uh, dubious loyalties and we've seen it. It's, I mean, it's all over our, the political landscape. My God, half the Republican party, uh, is, is totally lousy with rhinos, with people who, uh, they might as well be Democrats. I mean, and, and to me, they're worse. They're even worse than Democrats. Um, I'd rather you just be an open leftist, an open, whatever you want to call it, progressive, support your side, be on that, be about it. But when you infiltrate a party that's supposed to be about limited government, it's supposed to be about constitutional values, it's supposed to be what the Republican party, uh, is supposed to be about as Ron Paul sort of dragged it back from the brink of neocon uh neocon uh, uh lunacy uh that that's where the party needs to be be that don't i mean this this idea of electing people who they they talk a good game but once they get in there they're just as bad or worse than the worst uh big government democrats you'll find i mean mitch mcconnell epitomizes this he's a disgusting fossil who i mean every aspect of his allegiances is 
a betrayal to this country, a betrayal to the party he supposedly represents. It's amazing to me that he comes from the same state as Thomas Massey and Ron, uh, Rand Paul do. I mean, I, we need more of them. And Mitch McConnell needs to, to, to put up, be put on the slow boat to China with his wife. Well, I see that our guest, uh, Pete Santilli, my guest, Pete Santilli, is uh, in the room. Pete, welcome to the Tyler Nixon Show. Uh, it, it's my pleasure to have you on uh, as uh, since you've had me certainly many times on the Pete Santilli Show. Yeah, it's great to reconnect with you. That's what we need to do so we can stay connected because I consider us to be friends. And Absolutely. We don't so just let's just keep doing each other's shows so we can we can catch up. Yeah, no, that's it's great. We can do it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We'll uh, shoot the breeze over the air. Well, I was alluding to uh, how you're uh, you're a gorilla. I don't know how to describe you. A talk show host, journalist, but you're an activist. I mean, it's more like your media work is an extension of your your uh, patriotism and your desire to see this country uh, brought back from the brink of fascism and totalitarian tyranny. Um, I, I'm curious because I wanted to get into your background. Uh, you know, I mean, I, I, we, I think many people know about the Bundy Ranch uh, uh, involvement and how you spent, a, what was it, a year, a year or more, and a large part of that in solitary confinement in federal prison. I just want to get your background, uh, you know, as a person, like from when you were where you grew up uh, and, and your life story, just maybe in a couple of minutes. Where I grew up, upstate New York, I left home at uh, actually, you know what, I uh, I'm going to date myself, but that's OK. I became a patriot at the age of 15 when I watched The Miracle on Ice in Lake Placid, New York. I'm from upstate New York and during the Winter Olympics of, I think, 79. Um, I watched that and I became a patriot. Now I was going to go to school to become an architect at a young age. I set out to do that because I was doing mechanical engineering. That was Canadians, Canadians versus Russians. In when you're hilarious. USA. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay. Oh, no, that's right. Yeah, the they, uh, oh, I thought you were joking. No, no, it was, the it was the United States is the first time we won the gold medal against the Soviet Union. That's um, right. I remember Mike Arruzzioni. And uh, so anyways, I, I became a patriot uh, at that moment. And instead of going to college, I decided at that age that I was going to go serve the military, go kill communists. <laughs> so what Don't I said. Don't sugarcoat I, it. No, I wanted it. At, and then you could say that. Now you say kill communists and they'll, it's like, that's like threatening your neighbor, you know. Uh, yeah. Those terms. I love the, F the FBI in your door. Back then, you could say, you know, like, hey, join the military. Kill a commie for your mommy was the term. Yeah, that was that's right. Uh, so, so I joined the Marine Corps and left home. I joined, I was 17 years of age, left home, uh, traveled the world. I went to Okinawa, Japan. Uh, I'm a Cold War veteran. I broke my leg in a freak accident, got out on a medical discharge, honorable. And they said, you can try the civilian world or push a pencil while you're in, while you heal uh, from a helicopter accident. And I said, I'll try the civilian world. I got to tell this part of the story. I went out, I got a credit card. I had a little bit of money in the bank, but I got a JCPenney's credit card. I bought a, a pair of Johnson and Murphy wing tips, a herringbone suit, a red tie, a briefcase. I put my <laughs> big pen in there and I bought a book, a business book. I wanted to learn business. Was, was that the, the Gordon Gecko Halloween costume or <laughs> no, Donald J. Trump art of the deal? Oh, wow. And I became 
uh, a student of marketing and sales. And I wanted to set out in the business world and become very successful. And I wanted to learn from one of the best. I figured he's building skyscrapers. He's, he's doing some pretty good sales and he's successful. And uh, that was in 1988. And I've never left his side. He was talking back then about his feelings on China, you know, and he was a politician back. He was the same exact President Trump, you know, then yeah, as he is. Absolutely. Now. Yeah. Yes. Go back, do a rewind. Go listen to what he was saying back then. He says the same stuff. They're ripping us off. I wouldn't let China abuse us. You know, why are we, you know, helping NATO? They need to be paying us. Um, so 80s, 90s, I was in the, I went to work for Bell South in telecom. That was exciting. Um, then I always had a uh, business on the side. I was, I'm an entrepreneur uh, and my wife stayed at home to take care of the kids. This, I tell this story because you guys are going to trip out when you hear this. So I found out about something called the Trump Network in 2006. And I went to work for the Trump Network in six, seven, and eight as the digital marketing you know, expert, you know, I became the digital marketing director for the Trump network. And I was on calls with president Trump talking about, you know, building a home, small home based business. And, uh, that was then. And then I was successful in business. I earned a really decent income in the Trump network. I went to work for Coca-Cola. That's a separate story in and of itself. Uh, but ultimately I said, man, my country's in trouble. Obama came in and I had a social media following. And I said, I'm either going to leave the country and tweet to you guys from Cabo saying, I told you so, or I'll stay here and I'll build a podcast and we'll try to do whatever we can to, to help make sense of what this Obama communism is all about. But we need to get this guy out. He's a communist. Now and you were not, you were an entrepreneur at this time or you were working still corporate. You said. Yeah, I had, okay. I went from South and we worked for Coca-Cola. Then at that time I had a consumer advocacy business. I was a, you know, essentially a non-licensed attorney doing attorney's work for people that got ripped off by corporations, banks. And I filed complaints with bar associations for attorneys to rip people off <laughs> and regulatory agencies. And I said, okay, I have a social media following. Uh, if I stay... I'm going to build a podcast. If you guys take on to it, uh, I will stay in the country. If not, I'm taking all my cash that's in a safe and I'm leaving and I'm going to Cabo. So <laughs> on December 18th, 2011, I was the first listener when I pushed play after I recorded the first episode. And then it quickly grew and it, people took on to it and it accelerated and went 500, 5,000, 50,000. 500,000. I mean, it just took off. And so this is before Barack, this is first term Barack Obama. First term Barack Obama. I, wow. I literally launched my show in 2011. Um, then going into 2012, I said, he's literally stealing votes. I mean, I was pulling court documents. How they were, they had 280,000 people voting in a jurisdiction that only had 213,000, you know. Yeah. Uh, residents, right? Well, and I do have a copy. I, I just came across my uh, copy of his actual Kenyan birth certificate. That's all. Oh, that's a, that's a hilarious story. 
I'm a but I mean, then, I mean, yeah, I'm looking at this document. If it's a forgery, it's brilliant. I mean, because you can just, I mean, it, it would be very difficult to create this if it was a forgery. It's not, though. I mean, it's clearly not. I mean, it's a typed, it's a scan of the typed birth certificate. I mean, you, you know, it's consistent if you know what old typewriters, uh, how they how they look and how the paper looks and everything. That's right. But guess what? Uh, I'm Adobe certified. Okay. I can pull that thing apart and take a look forensically at the metadata and see the various layers that were pieced yeah. together. I pulled within eight minutes after it was published on whitehouse.gov, I pulled that very document <laughs> down from the White House. And the document that was on whitehouse.gov had multiple layers and it was manufactured. That was his, his supposed Hawaiian birth certificate, right? The Hawaiian birth certificate. The yeah. Big Interesting. The uh, the uh, person who recorded that or was responsible the was it the uh, recorder of not of deeds, but uh, the registrar or whatever. Didn't didn't that person die in a plane crash, a mysterious plane crash? Oh, mysterious. You know, died. Yeah, yeah, very mysterious. <laughs> uh, yeah, she did. Uh, what was her name? I, you know. I, I don't recall. But I mean, yeah, she she went down in a plane crash, um, you know, so. So, OK, so. Oh, Trump comes back onto the scene. Now, had you, you obviously, I mean, I was, I was surprised. I didn't know your history with Trump went that far back. I mean, pre-political really, not that he was ever apolitical, but I mean, clearly he, uh, you know, he flirted with it in 88. He flirted with it in 2000 as our friend Roger Stone, uh, you know, was there with him, but he was kind of dormant. And then Obama came into, uh, you know, into office. And I think that that really started getting him riled up because he saw, you know, what a fraud the guy is for starters. Um, and what he was, he was just a continuation. I mean, he was like a neocon wrapped in a uh, you know, pie in the sky, leftist uh, a pipe dream utopia uh, veneer. And, and, and obviously it, when he, when he started the, let's say 2015 um, or, or how early, let's just say, were you in on the, uh, the Trump train for, you know, his actual full, you know, full on run for president? At the end of 2015, uh, my lovely co-host, who she's now my bride, by the way, we're married. Congratulations, too. I want to say Thank to you. Deb. Yeah. And uh, uh, we had a discussion at the end of 2015. And she knew I was a big Trump fan because she knew the story that I just told you. And uh, and he, there was talk that he was going to run for office. And we had discussions right before I departed for the Malheur National Wildlife Refuge in Burns, Oregon, that protest. I was in late 2015. And one of our last episodes before I left Cincinnati uh, for that was how, at minimum, it would be entertaining. His presidency would have been very entertaining. It was brash, bold. And I said, he's a business guy. We need a business guy to go in there and turn it upside down. So it's an epic episode. Um, so 2015, I was advocating for him. Uh, and then, you know, history was written thereafter because by January of 2016, I was in, I was in shackles um, by the Obama administration. Yeah. So that, tell okay, well, I'll tell you what, we're going to take a quick uh, commercial break, Pete. And when we get back, I, I want you to give, uh, because I've never really, you know, from the beginning, the, your, your involvement with the Bundy Ranch affair um, and then, and then beyond that, you know, what, what has become the Pete Santilli show because, and, and of course we want to find out where we can, uh, where we can find your, uh, your broadcasts and your archive. I'm curious, I really want to hear some of this, these old, uh, these old, uh, 
broadcasts of yours, but uh, we will we will get that on the other side of this uh, little commercial break we're going to take here on uh, today's News Talk TNT, where we are lighting the fuse for freedom. You're watching the Tyler Nixon Show. Stay with us. With his expert analysis and opinion, this is TNT Radio's Timothy Shea. Safest, most secure election in history? Maybe the most safely and securely stolen election in history. Come on, we all know that 2020 was stolen and we know how it was stolen. And now, thanks to reporter Yehuda Miller's Freedom of Information Act request, we're getting to the bottom of just who was behind all this. Apparently, according to the documents, it was an alphabet soup of FBI, CISA, the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency, ERIC, the Electronic Registration Information Center, and ES&S and Dominion, the makers of the software and the voting machines, and leftist organizations, state officials, and others. What could they possibly have been meeting about? Could it have anything to do with the fact that for the first time in history, ballot counting was stopped, but only in six critical states? Mysteriously to resume in the middle of the night once Republican poll watchers had left the building. We're finally getting to the bottom of what happened in 2020, and we need to make certain that it never happens again. And the only way to do that is to hold the people responsible fully accountable. And that includes lengthy prison terms. From MAGAinstitute.com, this is Timothy Shea for today's News Talk. TNT. I'm Sandra, this is Jorge, and we were adopted in 2019. I remember when they first came to us, Michael was already a teenager. The whole cliche of they're so lucky to have you guys and it's no. the other way around. They have changed our family for the better. They chose to love us. They didn't have to. They chose us. Family. Learn about adopting a teen from foster care. You can't imagine the reward. Visit AdoptUSKids.org. The Tyler Nixon Show on today's News Talk TNT. TNT. Well, Pete Santilli is uh, is a rockin' uh, combatant for freedom, for liberty. And uh, Pete, I, I just, I really, I'm kind of blown away that, that you go so far back with Trump. I'll tell you my own Trump tie-in. Uh, I bought a Florida Highway Patrol Mustang five liter Mustang, a 1985 Mustang, uh, you know, one of the their interceptor cars and drove Jeez. it up. My grand, my grandfather, uh, you know, helped me buy it. I drove it up from Florida. I love that car. I mean, it was just like a rocket and, uh, you know, they were, it was painted the black and yellow Florida colors. So I wanted to get it repainted. Um, and I took it to my cousin in, uh, who had a body shop in Newcastle, Delaware. And he said, uh, oh, you know, we just got a batch of, uh, leftover paint in, that we can use for your for your car. It's uh, it's uh, it, you know polyurethane enamel, and it's uh, it was from Donald Trump's helicopter. They painted Trump's. You remember he had that black helicopter that first came, like that sort of high high tech helicopter like around 1990, and uh, he it was sort of his. It became his signature whenever he you know fly around New York, and uh, so I got they painted my Mustang that this this you know rocket ship uh, police interceptor Mustang with this. Uh, Trump's uh, helicopter paint. And then I still have a can of leftover and it's still good. I mean, I've never unsealed it. It's the original paint uh, from his uh, from his helicopter. So I should have him sign the can or something. <laughs> it's kind of a weird 
weird thing to uh, you know, weird uh, collectible, I guess. But that's that's as close as I get to Trump, unfortunately. But you were right in there in the thick of it. Yeah, and still am. I mean, we are right now, right in there with the yeah. with the thick of it, aren't we? Yeah, we're we're at uh, probably the most important time, and you know, we could say all of human history without over exaggerating, but absolutely certainly the most, the most number of lives are at stake on this planet as as has ever been the case yeah and the most number of lies ever told yeah that's true yeah that's right <laughs> oh man you, you, you like i love the pun um so you know basically uh the pete santilli show as it exists now is just a continuation of the podcast you started and you said 2011 right oh yeah yeah, absolutely. And I, I've learned so much. Uh, you know, I, I was uh, a, never a conspiracy theorist. I actually landed on Alex Jones's show in 1999, I think it was, uh, because Gerald Salente went on there and he was promoting it. And I was a financial news nut and I followed Bob Chapman and and uh, they were talking about gold in the markets and stuff like that. And they said, and we're going to be on, you know, Alex Jones on Friday. And I tuned in. I'm like, who the heck is this wing nut? Right. But, you know, listen to Gerald Salente is screaming at us to buy $295 an ounce gold. He said, you got to do it now. And I'm like, oh my God. Oh. Yeah. I'm like, Gerald, you're always selling gold 295. What am I going to do with a bunch of gold? Yeah. At $295. $295 an ounce. I mean, I remember that. I mean, yeah. you know. What, 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 when was it that it jumped to like 1300 or 1200? What, what do you remember? You pegged that year? Was it like oh, 2005 or something? Can you imagine? I had at the time, and I was young. Um, at the time, I had like $15,000 in the bank, just squirreled away, and I wasn't making any interest. And, and I could have bought gold at $205 an ounce, and I didn't, but I landed on an independent media show, Alex Jones. And he was odd to me and he was a conspiracy theorist. And I'm like, oh, it's kind of weird, you know? And I was, I, you I, know, it's, I'll tell you, because I, I always thought of him as like, a, like a, he, he sort of wanted to be like a Rush Limbaugh. That's the impression I got. Like he, I felt like he was emulating Rush. And, it's, and looking back on that, it's crazy because it's like they couldn't be more different. And Alex certainly has become much more of a, a, you know, a radical bomb thrower, a truth teller. Um, yeah. But did, did you ever get that impression back when he used to, to broadcast? Like he's sort of like, you know, just his, his, his when he wore this, you know, Alex would dress up and he looked, you know, tried to look super professional. Uh, now he yeah. doesn't care. He's, you know, shaved his head. He's got the beard and he wears the T-shirts and he's just, uh, you know, he's a character. Um, but I, I thought he was like, OK, this guy wants to he wants to succeed or to like somehow, you know, jump on the Rush Limbaugh phenomenon at the time. I, I didn't just because I listened to Rush so much. So, I mean, no offense to you if you thought that. I didn't because I was so deeply immersed in talk radio. I used to drive around right. in Southern California. So I had a lot of, you know, in-car time listening to radio. And so I listened to Rush. I listened to Art Bell. I listened to radio around the clock. And Alex Jones just struck me as some conspiracy theorist. He, literally, that's what I thought of him. When I first landed on it, and I bring yeah, this up. I, I, I didn't mean ideologically or like substantively. I meant just stylistically, yeah. like yeah. he sort of, you know, the head that, you know, 
Yeah. You like, you listen to Alex's like uh, his his yeah. his diction, the way he talks back back in the day, and it it, it sort of you you could tell he 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 listened to Rush. He knew who Rush was, and it influenced him. Yeah. And and uh, uh, then Alex started calling out nine eleven truth, and that's where I started paying oh, yeah. attention. Yeah. And then I went down the rabbit hole, and then he said, "Look at the documents; they're online. You can go see them. Right? Go get them. They're out there. Look at the documents. Just read them." <laughs> so I started reading, and I said, "Oh my goodness!" And I literally went from a hardcore Fox News brainwashy, you know, between two thousand and two thousand and five, to oh my goodness, there's a cover-up going on. 9-11 was an inside job. And that was 2005. So I started down that path. And then I saw Obama come in and I'm like, what the heck is this? You know, I was ticked off at Bush and then we got Obama and it was even worse. Yeah. So no. by 2013, I was so far down the rabbit hole. I was literally doing some of the best investigative journalism uh, that I think that I've ever done because information was actually more readily available, believe it or not, um, than it is now because they've censored the internet so heavily. Uh, oh, I mean, Google Google is awful. I mean, I just want to say this yeah. up front. You remember when you could like Google search something and find like results that that were what you were looking for? Now it is so curated, uh, ideologically curated. It's sick. I mean, I, anything you any search term you put in that has any relation to anything political, you're weeding through like six pages of every single propaganda media outlets version of the, of whatever that uh, subject is. And, and, and yeah. if you can ever find a, a single article, I mean, it's really sad. They've destroyed it. And there's no yeah, question. Your push for authoritative news sources. is like yeah. a, a new thing now. I mean, before I like the wild, wild west of the internet, but you know, here's to my point on, on my show. Uh, right around 2012, 13, uh, the overthrow of the Ukraine, Benghazi. Um, I had been involved in some of the biggest stories of our age that people are just now starting to realize what happened in Benghazi, what happened with, you know, all of the criminal conduct of, uh, of the Obama administration. Yeah, fast so, and furious. Fast and furious, yeah, all those. I was deeply concerned about my country when I started the show and, and stayed. And basically Bundy ranch story came in 2014. And I was the first time I left for the field. I went out of the studio and I went, went to Bundy ranch. I was in Victorville, California. So I drove up the 15 freeway to Bundy ranch and thank God he was watching over us uh, because a lot of people almost got killed. Why? Because, sir, I want to make sure I get this in during this segment. From 14, Bundy Ranch, everyone calls it the standoff. It wasn't a standoff. It was literally a protest to get the sheriff to come out and protect life, liberty, and property. Uh, the government spun that narrative, and we didn't understand why until probably about two months ago. Uh, a judge, after 10 years uh, just deemed that the federal government um, ran an operation for a long time, well before Bundy Ranch itself you know, in April of 2014, ran an operation for the specific purpose of provoking an armed confrontation with the American mm -hmm. people. Well, you're aware of Waco, Ruby Ridge, yeah. you know, I mean, these, these events. I mean, this was this was a, a playbook. 
you know, take yes. these to label, label you all as whatever, whatever the boogeyman is, you know, uh, white supremacists, militia men, you know, separatists, whatever have you. And, and then just uh, send in the, send in the, the jackboots and, and, and blowtorch everybody. I mean, did you fear that was going to happen? That was going to be, you're going to end up in that kind of situation. Uh, no, I, I, ne I never thought I, you know, I wasn't anti-government. They called me anti-government and I worked for the Marine Corps. I was in the government, you know, I had a top secret security clearance. Um, and, and what I thought is that some rogue operator at the, you know, local Bureau of Land Management, you know, law enforcement level was just a rogue operator. Um, little did I know that the orders came from very high above and Western land issues in general. The, the reason why they want ranchers off the land is because Hillary Clinton and all of her cronies want to extract the wealth uh, out of the land that's upwards of $167 trillion in natural yeah. wealth. Ura uranium one, hello? Uranium one, water, water's a big one. Uh, water, um, uranium, you know. All the all the uh, all the um, uh, rare met, rare earth metals. I'm sure. I mean, you know, they're they're only becoming more and more valuable because of the uh, technological applications. Gold, lithium, all that stuff. Um, so, so Bundy Ranch. Uh, thankfully, we had a federal whistleblower that came in and blew the whistle um, on what was going on at Bundy Ranch that they were withholding stuff and. Then they, he submitted this memo and they busted his door down and took all of his stuff. His name is Larry, <laughs> federal agent. And guess what he did? He said, really, you think you can take my stuff? Okay. And he had an insurance policy and he published 250 pages of an expose that outlined how the government planned to slaughter us all and use that as the means to demonize half of America. Um, and this is what just recently came out in federal court. Oh, yes, absolutely. Yep. Uh, they have to reverse all of our criminal indictments and pay us for every day of false incarceration. Yeah. That's what's being done right now because federal, it, federal Tort Claims Act is that, that under which you're bringing that's, those? That's going to be the second one that uh, the tort, uh, the, 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 you know, the uh, overturning the criminal conviction. It's like uh, just basically appealing to the, you know, conviction and to get the a conviction overturned. Right, it was, right. Vacating it, I was thinking what they'll do. Right. Yes, sir. That's right. Yep. Sorry, I didn't have that word. Vacating is the perfect word. Um, and then I'll go on to the tort claim. And that's, there's a small group of us that are in the tort claim. And their, their, their case is suing the government for $100 million um, to be, you know, distributed amongst them. And yeah. Uh, not going to stop until you know they pay for the damage that they've caused to our country and yeah and then Fal false imprisonment false arrest malicious prosecution abuse yep. of process those are the exceptions uh to uh, generally you can't you know certain torts you can't bring that has to be things like negligence to sue the government um intentional torts are generally not uh you know they're they're excluded but there's one exception that's law enforcement officers in uh, uh in the course of doing their, you know, uh, in the course of their employment, if they uh, commit false, uh, false arrest, false imprisonment, malicious prosecution, abusive process, uh, assault and battery. So, you know, mm -hmm. it sounds like it sounds like you guys are, are 
you know, queued up to have all those, uh, all those as causes of action. That'd be great. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It was, we're right in the middle of it. Like I said, just a couple months ago, the judge finally signed off on that. But, uh, uh, you know, uh, so I, I went from uh, wanting to awaken everybody to who Obama was, that we were, uh, I was concerned about our financials. That's what the show was about in the beginning. Uh, and then it morphed into me looking into false flags that were on TV, CNN, you know, the, 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 the health industrial complex. Okay. Essentially, uh, when you sign up, they put an antenna, you know, uh, out in front of your house. You're with the ACA? The what? Are you hearing me? Okay? Yeah, I can hear you. I Did I lose you? No, no. Are you there? Can you hear us? Yep. Yeah. Now I can hear you. There you go. You're popped in. Okay. Where was? What did you? What did you capture? Well, I mean, you you were mentioning putting antennas out, and I'm not, this was related to the ACA. I said to you know Obamacare, for lack of a better uh, you know phrase. Yeah. Uh, you know uh, Obamacare. We've got limited time uh, at, at this point. There, there. You know, here here's here's the bottom line. The uh, the the people within our government, that secret shadow government. Um, have been basically trying to keep us docile compliant, extracting the wealth out from underneath our feet. We have $167 trillion in actual resources wealth. Um, they've taken over Western lands, run the ranchers off the land. Uh, they wanted to set up a cradle-to-grave enslavement system known as the, you know, uh, through AI, the internet. They've been working for that, you know, towards that for decades. Um, and anybody that resists them, we have 100 million Americans with 400 million guns. Anybody that resists them are in their way, they'll take them out. Uh, most people are going to be stunned how they're going to be taken out. And it's not going to be in a gun battle. They don't want to expend that much am ammunition. What they're going to do is starve us. Yeah. They're planning yeah. for famine. They've taken we'll out. Killing, a lot of us killing each other. 500 food processing plants, you know. Yeah. Uh, you can have oh, yeah. all the guns and ammunition, you know, you can collect. Uh, what are you going to do a month later when you can barely even get out of, you know, get off the ground because you're too weak because of famine? They're working towards that. So this. Yeah, and, 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 and they could and they could do it by way of a, uh, you know, oh, a, uh, you know, an, EM, an EMP attack. Uh, no, it shut down all the gas station, you know, whatever. The, I mean, there's so many weak points or, or failure points potentially oh, uh, to, to use as a flashpoint for whatever the, the chaos that they would want to engender. But you know what, Pete, I, I personally think they say this, uh, you know, they think that that's going to be the case, but the American pub people, I mean, I think there's an essential goodness and a, and a godliness about um, the base, you know, the American people that even, I mean, we would rather starve to death together than kill each other. You know what I mean? I think there, and yes, there will be uh, rogues. There will be people who are out of control, but I think, you know, the core of the country you know, like you said, the gun, the gun owners, I think, I think, uh, I think those people, you know, those of us will stick together through thick and thin as we have and has sustained us for a 235 or whatever it is years. Closing yeah. thoughts. We got about uh, 30 seconds. We're not going to be able to shoot our way out of this. I'll tell you that guns uh, won't, won't come into play. You know, we, you know what we need to do is we need to remain prayerful and yes. be determined. If they want our way of life. They have to get 
past us and we can do that peacefully. We just need to stand shoulder to shoulder, sir. Uh, like we do. Thank you very much, Tyler, for having me on. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Pete, where, where can our uh, listeners find you? PeteLive.tv. That'll put you right, right on our live stream channels. Awesome. Pete, I really appreciate you coming on, man. I'll uh, I'll catch up with you soon. Well, folks, this is, uh, this is a wrap for the week for the Tyler Nixon Show. Uh, you're watching today's News Talk TNT, where we're lighting the fuse for freedom. Have a great weekend, and we'll see you next week.